Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes. Greg, fresh back from Media Day in Charlotte. And Greg, it was ACC Football Media Day. Uh, not much directly Carolina football, actual players on the field related news has come out too much. Um, let's just get right into talking about what has been the big issue that came out of media day. And that's Fedora's comments on football, the, the attack on football, that strong football equals a strong country and the CTE matters. Uh, Let me say this first before we get into it. I I do find it interesting um, in some sort of way that Fedora is so closely guarded on things such as injuries and other things related to his program, but so freely discusses his thoughts on the CTE studies, on um, what he deems an attack on football. It's just an interesting dynamic to me. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it certainly is, Tommy. And I I think, you know, if at times as, as if we're trying to pull teeth throughout the course of the season to get accurate information, I mean, last season with all the injuries is, is very, it's a delicate situation because you, you, you want to be fair to the kids and make sure you have the correct information. Um, but when UNC and, you know, the, the coaching staff is not willing to share any, whether it be generalities or, or specifics, it makes it tough. And the same goes with schematic changes and new ideas that they're thinking about and all that. And so you don't get a lot of, uh, sound bites and a lot of quality uh, info over the course of the year by design. I mean, that's, that's how Fedora wants it. And then, yeah, you get into a situation like this where, you know, for example, a lot of media were talking yesterday afternoon. Mark Rick went through this whole big deal about you know, the way he likes to eat hot dogs. Like that's that's the kind of sound bites you typically get at ACC Media Day. But then you have Fedora talking about, you know, the possible decline of the country due to the decline of football and then kind of entering into a a very sensitive matter with CTE and how it affects uh, the sport that he loves. It's it's a very, very unique dynamic for sure. So let's talk about, you know, the quote-unquote attack on football. And I listened to his comments. I listened to his clarification statement or whatever you want to call it out there in the hall after the fact i'm gonna play some of that Um, we have a chl segment out today with these comments but i want to add them to this podcast and then ask you about what he said let's hear what he had to say 
My responsibility as, as the, the head coach of the University of North Carolina is to make sure that our guys understand and that we're doing everything in Chapel Hill to make the game as safe as possible for our guys and to make sure that our guys are aware of all that. What, that's what I'm talking about when I worry about the future of the, of the game as far as, you know, they say from the, the youth leagues and stuff that there is a drop-off in participation, and uh, that's been happening the last couple of years. And so you, it's, it's obviously and if you're involved in the game, football you got to worry about that greg when i listen to him i get what he's talking about as far as the cte and football deal Uh, his point i believe and correct me if i'm wrong on your thoughts of it i think he's saying it's it's not necessarily football that causes it it's blows to the head but of course football is repeated blows to the head so folks make that statement it is football it could be soccer. It could be all these other sports. But, you know, given the sensitive nature of this subject and how much the NFL has spent on paying people and and all the studies, including the studies that done at UNC, I mean, just not really the forum to get into it. And I feel like once he got on a roll and you've got some media guys that are going to keep picking at it, and I get it, that's their job, but just not really the way to make news on ACC media day. Yeah, I totally agree, Tom. And I think, I think there are some points that he made that are valid. Um, I don't think they were articulated the way they probably needed to be. And kind of like what you said, what, what Fedora was, was trying to make the point of is that we don't have enough evidence right now to clearly state that football causes CTE. Like you said, what we know and what a lot of the evidence suggests is that repeated blows to the head, brain trauma causes CTE. And so there's a lot of different things that fall into that. Now, within the game of football, there are repeated blows to the head. I mean, like Fedor said, you've got multiple guys consistently running into one another every play. So that's going to happen. But there have been studies done, and I know Yahoo Sports had done some good work with this, that it's it's not as clear-cut maybe as the media wants it to be. Um, I don't agree with you. I don't think that was necessarily the forum. I don't think it was articulated very well. And I don't think he was prepared uh, to kind of, back up his position because he was asked multiple times, okay, well, who are these people that are you know, attacking the game? Who are these people that are twisting data to make football look dangerous? And he didn't have an answer. Um, it's kind of, you know, the whole, you know, they, the, the, almost like the, the boogeyman, but I think you could probably find some studies or some uh, articles for sure to say, okay, well, this article here, um, is, is probably incorrect. And that's how, I mean, that's how the whole science of the, that's how the whole process goes. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't think it was the proper forum necessarily. I don't think it was articulated very well. And so what you have is people, I mean, I think the USA Today article uh, that Wolken, Dan Wolken wrote, I mean, the first sentence, I think it kind of spoke volumes about how people perceive what was said, even though it probably wasn't uh, it wasn't accurate. It's not probably wasn't. It wasn't accurate. But he said that Fedora uh, made the point that football is being attacked 
because of all the emphasis on head trauma. And that's that's not what he was saying. That's that's not accurate. But that's what happens is that you get in this situation where you've got you know this flood of reporters around and they're trying to pick apart certain comments. And if you don't say it exactly the right way, it ends up looking bad. And I, I didn't have as big of an issue with the CTE comments. I mean, the fact that UNC um, has one of the leading you know, concussion research uh, groups in the country. Yeah, I think you have to be careful there. And then you have to look at it in terms of kind of what are what are the positives? What are the benefits of, of making that type of statement? Because on the recruiting trail, right, the biggest thing for parents and you know, Tommy, you've got kids. I've got kids. If I'm shipping my kid off to go play for somebody, I want to know that they are uber concerned about my child's safety. And you know, Fedora repeatedly said that anything to improve safety in the game, he's all for. But you can take some of these comments and twist them just enough to say, hey, he doesn't even think football has anything to do with CTE. Uh, and that's an easy, easy sentence to make for you know, an opposing recruiter to tell a kid's mom and just to plant a seed of doubt. And then all of a sudden it kind of gets it blows out of control. And now you've got a legitimate issue that you're having to suggest really just kind of the semantics of how you said something. And so uh, you know, it's kind of a, a cost benefit analysis. And I, I don't think that was the uh, the idea, uh, the, the the best approach on a, a media day setup. I agree with that. I think, you know, and I've said it in the past, I'm just not sure how impressed I am with Carolina's football PR department. Uh, I mean, he is so guarded about everything. And then to get out here on this limb, and like you said, on the recruiting trail, people eat it up. There is an article in USA Today um, with the dean of the research department that does that stuff and talks about how much Fedora is concerned and uh, about player safety. Those are the type articles and those are the type comments that Carolina really needs to push forward on this type of stuff. Um, yet we'll hear more and more, I think, or maybe it'll die down, but we'll hear about Fedora's comments like you just said that regardless of what he said the, the the inclination is he doesn't care about brain injuries that's how it gets spun in the media and folks can say oh it's the media's fault it's the media this media that it is what it is i mean you know the world we live in you deal with that and if you don't then you get crushed by it and that's just the nature of it whether it's in sports or politics or life or on the social scene let's let's try to speak come back and talk a little bit about the the attack on the sport now i do think fedora's old school guy old school tough guy and some of these changes while they are for the health of the players i do think that a lot of the old time football folks think that it's making the game quote unquote softer your thoughts there i mean safety first if, if everybody's hurt and injured and you know, brains are damaged when they get finished. Eventually, nobody will want to do it. So there's a line you have to to walk up against, the kickoff rule for once. Um, but your thoughts there on those comments and just in that in general? 
Yeah, actually, I thought initially when I when I heard Fedora making some of his comments, that was kind of the topic. I was like, uh, I can't really believe he's going there when you start talking about you know football declines and all of a sudden you're talking about the potential decline of the country. I, I think that's a lot of hyperbole. Um, yeah, I, the CTE stuff. Uh, I kind of knew what he was saying, even though it may not have been phrased properly. So I didn't, I didn't make too big of a deal about that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. He's old school football. Um, there are changes that are being made, and he—that's one of the reasons that he came back out was to, to make clear that hey, I'm not saying that football is being attacked because of these changes to improve safety. Uh, he, he really wanted to make the point that he thought football was being attacked by you know, people kind of massaging data to make football look bad. But, uh, you know, in terms of the, in terms of the decline of the country, let's say this, um, does, does football help in any way, shape or form, maybe with the military? Maybe. Right. But we know that the reason our military is, the biggest and baddest in the world, number one, is we spend more than anybody else by far margin. All right? We have a uh, system set up where you know, the people that work in our military kind of volunteer for it. That's a unique dynamic. Um, there's a lot of passion involved with protecting the country. So there's a lot of different things that allow us to have the military that we have. And that's built up over hundreds of years so are we ready to put kind of football near the top of that I, I don't think so i mean i think football you know maybe it helps but i think sports help in general with any kind of camaraderie and chemistry and team building and all that stuff and all of that parlays into military dynamics but also parlays into corporate dynamics and some other things so yeah i think that was that was a little um a little bit of a stretch but in terms of in terms of kind of what you're getting at, um, I think I think Fedora and a lot of these guys are old school. Um, it's kind of the mindset that, hey, you know there are risks involved when you get into the sport. And if you love it enough uh, and you want to do it, then you, you'll, you'll just kind of suck it up and play. And injuries are part of the game, and you, you've got to play through it. Um, now, when you add the CTE discussion in, that changes things. Because used to be, you, if you, you had a concussion, they tell you to shake it off and get back in the game. We know now that's that's very damaging. That's that's not something you want to do. Um, but you you have to be aware of all these changes that are taking place and all these health concerns. And it would be one thing if everybody was equal, and you know, you you come from a you know a two parent family and you've got money and you can say, hey, you know what? I think I'd rather play tennis because tennis I'm not going to have brain injuries. Um, but that's not how the world works. And football is the only outlet some kids have. And you know, there's a number of kids that don't play simply for the love of the game. They play because it is a potential way out of the life that they grew up in, which is, you know, for a lot of kids, is very tough. And so when you start getting into those kind of social and cultural dynamics, it kind of changes how you have to view the game of football. And it's not all fun, love, and dedication for the sport. Uh, it becomes something else. And so it's different for everybody. 
And that's why I think you have to kind of be careful when you get into this. Yes, there are people who are just old school, diehard football people. You rub some dirt on it, move on. But the more data that we have, the more that we we learn about how dangerous this game potentially is, you there are going to be changes down the road. Um, and it is going to change how this sport looks. Uh, and I get the the hesitancy to want to kind of jump full force into that and say, hey, you know, if we keep making these changes, that's problematic. But, you know, I, mean, I think at the, you know, Fedor even said, you know, there's really no reason for five-year-olds to be tackling. It doesn't make any sense. And it's just like, you know, and I know a lot of places, uh, my kids involved with this at the at the soccer level, when you get into, you know, nine, 10, seven, eight, They've outlawed heading headers uh, because there's so much potential damage to you know, to the brain that they've taken that out of play. And so I think those are good things, but that does change the dynamic of the sport, kind of the foundation of the sport. Uh, and you have some people who are going to say, hey, you have to make all these changes. We have to make it as safe as possible. You're going to have other people say, you know what? It's a violent sport. You know what you're getting into. Um, and you know, I'm not to say one's better than the other or whatever. But those are kind of the, the two polarizing sides. And I think Fedora, like a lot of these old football guys, maybe maybe fall on the, the side of uh, you know, making it a little bit of a kind of more of a tougher mindset as you approach it and uh, not be so freewheeling with, with changing things just to change it without having significant data behind it. Yeah, the, the, the junction boys aren't coming back. And right. That's, and that it was just a completely different game and a completely different mindset back then. And you mentioned soccer. I mean, my youngest plays and I cringe now, even though they're getting up to be in the teenage years when they're heading the ball, um, when somebody's, you know, hit a laser out there and some kids heading it, it makes me nervous a little bit, but I get the points, the forum, maybe not so much, um, but we'll talk about that more, I'm sure, on Inside Carolina Message Boards, and we may hit it again here on these podcasts. But I'm going to take a break. Let's come back and let's talk a little bit about uh, the kickoff rule and other things that were said by Fedora Football Related from Aaron Crawford and Anthony Ratliff-Williams when we come back. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Greg, let's speak to the kickoff rule. You know, I saw some... uh, I think it said that 21 kickoff returns in college football last year for touchdowns or some, something I saw it was like 0.5% of kickoffs to return for touchdowns. And then maybe 0.5% of plays over 50 yards or something like that. I don't know if I even got it right, but either way, big plays are a part of the game. Kickoffs are a big part of the game, but I don't think it matters tremendously much made to guys that are good at it like Anthony Ratliff Williams potentially but I don't think it really matters how they deal with uh, the kickoffs your thoughts on that yeah I kind of think it does um 
just because North Carolina, since Fedora has been in Chapel Hill, they've returned seven kicks for, for touchdown. That's just kickoffs. That obviously doesn't include punt returns. So that's that's a lot. I mean, that's you know, pretty much once a year. Um, you know, North Carolina returned a punt. Ratliff Williams returned a punt at Pitt last year. And North Carolina won that game by, by three. So I think it is an avenue um, that people don't, you utilize quite as much as maybe they should. And that's one of the things like your know, Beamer ball, for example, Frank Beamer is putting all of his best players on special teams. And guess what? It made a difference. And so Fedora's kind of done that. And a lot of people have adopted that approach. So I think it is valuable. Um, and I, I think with the type of rule going in this year, I think it has the potential to, to hurt UNC just because when you have a guy like Anthony Ratliff Williams, the more he can return the ball, the better the chance you have of, you know, if you don't, even if you don't score, maybe you get out close to to 50 yard line and there's enough data available that says, Hey, you have a much better chance of scoring from the 50 than you do from the 25. I think it's worth the risk. Kind of what I find fascinating about it is what's the strategy? Because we know from one side, you know, uh, Luke Pascal told Buck Sanders a few weeks ago, uh, UNC special team coordinator, he thinks there's going to be a lot of sky kicks. You know, try to land it you know, at the 20-yard line or the 15-yard line, kick it high enough so that the coverage unit can get down there and you know, make you fair catch it. Um, Fedora, on the other hand, thinks there's going to be a ton of squibs. And that by doing squib kicks, uh, that, that allows your, your team to kind of get down there and it takes the fair catch out of play. Um, and so we know that side of it, but I'm more interested on in the protection side. Yeah, you know, we're used to kickoff uh, protection units kind of lining up. You know, a couple guys at the at the line of scrimmage, and then you got two here, two here, and then you got your two returners. I think that'll change. I don't know how it's going to change, and it may not be something that's set in stone until maybe late in the year or even next year. Uh, but I think you you could see you know maybe three kick returners out in the game just have them lined up. So if a squib kick comes flying down, they're in position where they don't have to run all over the field and they can just kind of run vertically and grab the ball and take off. Um, so I, I think that component will be interesting to see you know, kind of the strategy of it. But I, but I do think it's, um, again, I get the, the health aspect of it and the safety aspect of it, but I do think it's a part of the game that at least you, this year, uh, that change will possibly hurt North Carolina. I agree with that. And I knew you'd probably throw out some stats. And I agree, given Carolina's issues on the offensive side of the ball at times, I think you're right about that. And I will be interested to see. Uh, you've got the article, Ratliff Williams talking about it on the site, uh, to see how it's handled, to see how uh, teams adjust to it. Because squib kicks and sky kicks, two vastly different things that will – I'd like to see if, if Pascal's right or Fedora's right. We'll find out soon enough. Greg, the players had a chance to talk and, and speak to the media, and they haven't gotten much press anywhere but inside Carolina. What did Crawford have to say at media days that sort of caught your ear? Well, I think the the key thing with Crawford, and Fedora touched on this as well, is that you know, Crawford made the point that, hey, our defensive line, we've got eight guys that can rotate in and out. And he said, you know, it's the, the most experienced, deepest group that he's been a part of here at Chapel Hill. 
and and I know some people say, well, we hear that every year. Well, it's it's true this year. I mean, there, there's an, enough guys that have played a lot of games that the defensive line should be a strength. You know, Larry Fedor said he was actually comfortable with the group that he had a defensive line, and uh, that's something he normally does not say. Very very often he says, I'm not comfortable anywhere, but he is comfortable with what he's got at, at the DL. So that's good because that's you know, that's kind of a key component. And I asked Aaron about, you know. The, the idea that the JP, you know, uh, Papuchis, the defensive coordinator, wants to be more attacking, be more aggressive. You know, JP told me uh, last week that you know, he wants opposing teams to turn on the tape and say, hey, that is an attacking defense. Um, but a lot of that starts up front. And a lot of that goes hand in hand with kind of run defense, too. And so Crawford said, yeah, scheme plays a big part of that. But it's also kind of a mindset, and and you've got to be willing to uh, get off the ball. You've got to be able to win your battles. And with him playing nose tackle, if he's got two guys coming at him, he's got to do his job of soaking up two uh, blockers because that helps his teammates get open and and maybe you know, uh, get into the the backfield to get a tackle for loss or a sack or something. Uh, and so he thinks they have enough pieces up front where they can be more consistent, where they cannot get pushed out of gaps, uh, where they can create some havoc in the backfield. And, you know, as you know, Tommy, if, if your defensive line is solid, that makes your back seven look a lot better. Uh, and so I, I think there's a lot of confidence that the defensive line can finally kind of flip the switch that we've been waiting on, it seems like, for so long and really give this defense a chance to, to be uh, efficient uh, and if you can do that, then all of a sudden now it becomes a lot easier for the offense. Uh, and we're talking about a, a different type of team than maybe we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, the the biggest thing to help Carolina's linebackers is the defensive line be as good as yep. Fedora thinks they'll be. And if, if they are, then that linebacker issue shrinks a little bit. It'll still be an issue, but it won't be near as glaring as it has been in the past. Uh, Ratliff Williams Greg, you think he gets some first-team All-ACC honors when all that stuff's announced on Thursday? I think he will for the return game. I don't think he's quite here that quite there yet with uh, the wide receiving stuff. Um, I think he's got a little bit of a ways to go. But you know, as we talked uh, recently, Tommy, you know, even last year, you know, early in the year, he was still kind of filling his way. But by the end of the year, he kind of had, had broken out. And so I think he needs kind of a full year of what he did the second half of, of last year. And if he can do that, then all of a sudden, you know, now he's in contention for you know, second, third team all ACC. And that sets that would set him up for next year to be this guy that, hey, this is an all ACC wide receiver and return man. This is an elite kid. Let's see what he can do in his senior year. But that requires him to build off what happened last year and have a very productive 2018 season. Yeah, news and notes around the league. Anything I know we're Carolina based specifically, but when I covered the kickoff thing, I always like to hear what other players, other coaches had to say. Any nuggets come out that you heard or saw or heard about um, while you were in Charlotte on Wednesday? You mentioned no, Rick and Hot Dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the funny thing was is that North Carolina was the very first team to go in terms of their press conference and then their breakout room, which is like an hour-long interview. And after that, 
it seems like everybody forgot about the rest of the teams, which is probably how all the other Coastal Division coaches wanted it to be. Uh, and so North Carolina stole the news of the day you know, initially with the CTE and football is under an attack. And then, of course, at the end of the day, you get news about the, the secondary violations. Uh, and so you know, it was all North Carolina all day on Wednesday. Uh, and so, yeah, I think the other team succeeded in, in hiding behind the curtain, if you will. Let's mention the news that came out yesterday. Certainly not new news. It had been floating around for quite a while. And my question is to you, Greg, and your thoughts on this is why is it floating around and just coming out now? I mean, I, I think uh, from at least my perspective, if I was the head of a program of some sort, especially in this day and age, 2018, you're not keeping something like that quiet, period. It's not going to happen. Um, so why not get out in front of it weeks and months ago if you're in North Carolina? I understand the the squabbling or the negotiations back and forth or whatever may be going on behind the scenes with the NCAA, but it's definitely been had an impact on North Carolina football, especially on recruiting trail, even if the majority of the fan base had no idea um, that it was going down. So why wait until now to let it out, do you think? Yeah, well, I think there's kind of two two ways of thinking about it. And one kind of supports your your idea, and it's that, hey, you know, the, the off season comes around you know, after spring football in, in April. Why not put this out Memorial Day weekend in May? That gives everybody something to chew on for a couple of weeks. And then by the time you get to the ACC kickoff in mid-July, it's an old story. Um, and then you have the other mindset of, hey, let's not say anything about it. Let's wait until pretty much game week before you head to Cal. You throw it out there. It becomes a hot talking point. But then, you know, the season starts and everybody's talking about other things anyway. So I think those are kind of your your two uh, two approaches to it. And I think really what kind of shaped North Carolina's decision on this is potential suspensions. Uh, those things have not been finalized as of yet. And I think that's probably the driving factor. And then once the news kind of leaked out, you know, like you said, I mean, we've – We've been hearing uh, some details about this for a long time, uh, but I've not been you know, given permission to, to run with anything. And so we've kind of just been sitting with our hands trying to trying to get permission to put some of this out. Uh, but you know, what we know is that there are you know, multiple players involved. Um, there's a potential for multiple suspensions. I anticipate there being some suspensions. Uh, but North Carolina figured this out back in February. They self-reported it. The NCAA kind of went through the process in, in March, determined that it was a secondary violation uh, and pretty much wrapped up their their end of it. And so now it's a matter of you know, UNC trying to figure out exactly how they want to uh, finalize uh, any potential punishments. Um, you know, I think the NCAA, there's probably some conversation there uh, with, with their group in terms of exactly how how that should look. Uh, but you know, for the most part, this—I think—the important thing to tell people is this is nowhere near, you know, what we've dealt with the past seven years. This is—you know—there was, I think I, I figured it out. There was like 3,500 secondary violations in 2017 alone at the Division One level. So this is the stuff that happens across the country. It happens at every program, um, and so North Carolina is just having to deal with this now, and it's 
I don't want to say minor because it does include the potential for suspensions. So that makes it more than minor. Uh, but it's not like a program-wide issue. It's player-specific. And so UNC is just trying to kind of uh, hammer out the details. And then uh, I guess either when they finalize those details or we get close to that California game is when we'll actually get kind of an official statement on uh, who's going to miss games, if anybody's going to miss games, and, and uh, how, how that process will, will play out. And who will get on the bus? I That's mean, right. It's, it's That's been right. eight years. <laughs> uh, we'll have to have a spy out there checking to see who actually walks out with their bags and gets on the bus. That that was an early morning, I tell you. That was uh, some things that you do in your job that you you look back on, and that was that was one of the ones I remember uh, sitting out in front of the the Kenya Football Stadium beside the bus, trying to get a head count of everybody stepping on. So that was uh, uh it's funny and. Uh, in, in hindsight, but it, it wasn't funny at the time. And looking back, you say, yeah, it was funny. And now eight years later, potentially doing it again, not as big a deal, but still a deal. You right. can't make it, you can't make it up when it comes to Carolina football, <laughs> for sure. Greg, I appreciate you taking the time. I know it was a long day yesterday, getting this podcast done early AM on Thursday. We'll get it out to our listeners. Uh, you and I will talk again uh, many times over the course of the next few days, weeks, and months as football season gets rolling. All right. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.